What's good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. This is episode number two, Michelle, of the show that's yet to be named because we you debuted last week. It was one of the most downloaded shows we have ever had. We really appreciate that. But we need a name for this show. Do you have any thoughts? You know, I'm going to need our listeners to help us there. I'm not the most creative type. So, you know, we, we got the listeners. So give us some help. Name the show for us. How did you come up with the Ball Blast podcast? Honestly, uh, Kate, my wife, started a blog, and it was called The Weekly Ball Blast, and that was an idea from a friend. And then we just changed Weekly Ball Blast to Ball Blast podcast because we like to blast your balls. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the drops will live forever. I really appreciate that. Okay, there's a ton going on starting with the BYU Pro Day today. So we're going to get into that and your thoughts on Zach Wilson. Zach, not Kyle Wilson, who for some reason I continue to call him Kyle. I don't know why. <laughs> Guaranteed that happens at one point today, but I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, we're going to look at some of the other guys that you have been tweeting about. I saw you tweet about Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, a couple of guys that I know some 49ers fans are hoping find their way to uh, the Bay Area. And then we're going to look at the 2021 schedule and the loss of Kerry Hyder. So there is a ton to do today. Let's start with the quarterback situation. Where do you have Zach Wilson when in terms of the quarterbacks in this draft? So I have him as a quarterback three behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But I actually really like Zach Wilson. It's just a great quarterback class. So if the 49ers could figure out a way to trade up because they're not going to get him where they are right now, they're going to have to trade up to probably two because I think the Jets are really considering drafting him there. My biggest concern about Zach Wilson, and we'll get that answer today at his pro day, is his weight. It's not even the height. I don't care what he what his height is. They list him at 6'3", I think, and I don't think he's going to come in at that. I think he'll be closer to 6'1", probably. But it's that weight. He's so skinny. He looks skinnier than me. Like he, I swear he has to be 180, 190 pounds, but they list him at 207. We'll see what he comes in at. Yeah, there's a little bit. You can never trust the, the, what the school lists them at. And I saw you tweeting about this, actually. You tweeted about something called the pro day clock when, in regards to Elijah Moore's 40 time. What do you mean by that? You just have to at least add 0.05 seconds. Because all of these guys are running in the four threes. That doesn't happen at the combine. It's not just a coincidence that everyone is running fast this offseason. It's the pro day. We've always seen people run faster, uh, even from their combine. And their time always just magically gets faster in the pro day. Because, <laughs> like, uh, who was it? Uh, Mika Parsons. Uh, I called him Mika. It's Micah. But my dog's name's Mika, so I just go with that. Uh he ran, I think, in the four threes. And I was watching the clock and it looked it looked longer than a four three. That's all I'm saying. I just think those pro day clocks are a little off. I love the skepticism. You were gonna fit in nicely here at the Niners Nation <laughs> Network. I was actually reading something that said that so many of these colleges now have like the trackers on the guys so they can see during the game, oh, Rondale Moore ran 20 miles an hour, 21 yeah. miles an hour. And they so they don't even really care about the 40 yard dash because they have the actual tracker from, you know, the in-game performance when they're wearing pads, when they got the adrenaline going. So I think the 40 yard dash may eventually just not even be a thing anymore. Yeah, and it shouldn't be because 
we've seen that there's one guy that runs a four, three, four at a position, another guy that runs a four, five. And the guy who runs a four, five, like often actually has a better career. Like it doesn't have that strong of a correlation to success at the next level. I think the game speed is what matters. And sometimes we see guys, you know, they're not track athletes. They don't know how to get out of that stance and run the 40 as fast as track stars. And being a track star doesn't make you a good NFL player. So I love the game speed thing. That matters way more than a 40 time. I can't remember who it was. I want to say Tony Dungy, but I could be wrong. But basically, his point was the only time you ever run in a straight line for 40 yards in a game is when something really good happens or when something really bad happens. It usually doesn't come up too often. And uh, I totally agree. Although I, I will say the 49ers seem to have built their team on speed. I mean, Raheem Mostert is the fastest guy in the NFL. I know people like to say it's Tyreek Hill, but the numbers actually bear out that it's Raheem Mostert who has the fastest time the past two seasons, I think. And I think he had two of the top five this year. Um, He can fly. Brandon Ayuk can fly. They Mm -hmm. have built their team around guys that can run. A hundred percent. And Mostert just needs to stay healthy because they need his speed. Uh, Same thing with Brandon Ayuk. They just have fast guys. And Zach Wilson would bring such a great skill set to that offense because he has the mobility. Like he's a quick player. Uh, You don't see him gaining too many rushing yards in any game, but he can evade uh, tacklers and defenders. Like he's not going to be sacked easily, even at his weight, just because you can't get him. He's very fast. He's mobile. I know Jimmy G can run around as well, but I think Zach Wilson has him beat there. And then Zach Wilson's arm is just one of the best in the class. Super, super strong. He can get the ball wherever he wants to, and he doesn't have to be balanced. His hips are fantastic. He can be in the air, turn around, and just make the perfect pass. Very, very strong. He can get the ball all the way down the field too if he needs to. My biggest issue with him is he makes – stupid decisions and they didn't turn into turnovers uh at BYU just because of the competition he was playing he should have thrown a lot of interceptions like really stupid decisions where it's like that's a pick in the NFL that's a pick and he just he played behind the best offensive line just a super early offensive line he had all day to throw the ball that's probably not going to happen at the next level So he just hasn't had to face that type of competition. That's what worries me. But I think he has a skill set to succeed. My philosophy when drafting anybody, but especially, excuse me, especially quarterbacks is I want the guy who's going to have to change the least in the NFL. Like I just give me the guy who's who will do what he's been doing. And I feel like that's when you're most likely to have success. When you first said the biggest issue with him was weight, I was like, okay, well, that's easy. Give him a couple Snickers bars and we'll get the weight up. Like, we could figure that out. Of all the changes to make, that's not a big deal. But the decision-making thing, that that worries me because, to me, that's much harder to fix, especially when he's coming into the league, the game is a thousand times faster, he's trying to learn a brand new system, he's got 50 million things going through his head, Like, that scares me a little. Do you have that same decision-making concern with Fields or Lance or Mac Jones? So with Trey Lance, he would scare me the most out of this group just because he's 
he's a run first quarterback. He never threw more than 18 times in a game in that 2019 season. He has a very limited profile of us actually seeing him pass the ball. And he played a lot like Lamar Jackson in that way, where when he did pass it, it was a very quick decision and it was to a wide open wide receiver or a tight end. Like, and he threw no interceptions because the guy he was thrown to, <laughs> there was no defenders around. So it's not like it was like, oh my goodness, he's making these great plays and, you know, getting the ball into tight windows and he's never picked off. Like, no, he was just wide open because defenders were always respecting that run. They always were worried that he was going to take the ball and run it. And he's a fantastic runner. He's probably the most talented overall out of maybe all of these guys with that arm talent. And the mobility, he's just super, super fast and strong. He's like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson put together as a runner. Fantastic. But he's super inaccurate. Uh, At one moment, he will throw a dime. And the next moment, it'll be 10 yards over the guy's head. I think these top four guys, even including Mac Jones, so top five guys, they all have a shot to be fantastic at the next level. It's just they have question marks. I think the two that don't have many question marks are uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. If Zach Wilson goes second, I think that's when the 49ers should start figuring out a trade to move up for Justin Fields. You will get your Russell Wilson. Huh. Okay, well, we'll get to that. But just so I have it in my head, so you have Lawrence one, Fields two, Wilson three, and then is it Lance four? <sighs> It's very, very close. If I'm talking about fantasy football, it's easily Lance. If I'm talking about mm-hmm. wanting this quarterback on my team and they have to start this year, I want Mac Jones if he has to start this year. I have heard that, I and mean, this is something that Chris Sims has talked about. He thinks that part of the reason Mac Jones is not getting more love is because, for lack of a better phrase, he looks like a doofus in the uniform. <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah, he kind of does. He has the dad bod going on. (laughs) But so did Tom Brady coming out. He just has to get on that TB12 diet. He'll be ripped in no time. Well, and it's not like Peyton Manning had the sexiest body coming out either, or Eli, or like, you know, to me, like, I just look at Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You cannot find a better looking quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's very handsome. He's actually like, in terms of his body, like he's a pretty thick guy. He's got some muscle there, but he can't really play that well. So like, I'd rather have dad bod quarterback that can actually play and drop dimes than Jimmy Garoppolo, who looks like a million bucks and throws like, you know, a $3 bill. <laughs> and like you've seen Baker Mayfield, he kind of has a dad bod. He does. And now he's kind of also inconsistent as well with his play. I do think that Mac Jones can just place the ball wherever he wants to. It would be a nice fit for the 49ers. But if they want to just grab their guy for the next decade and just, you know, take over that division, I I think you should move up and get Justin Fields. This is my worry. The Niners, in order to do that, because there's going to be a bunch of teams that want to move up, they're going to have to win that sweepstakes. And that means you are giving up a lot. You are going to have to give up. Obviously, 12 this year, probably your first next year, maybe your second next year. Like, it is going to be tough, I think, because I think Philly might be interested in moving up. Carolina is definitely moving up. Their owner has flat out said, like, we're getting a quarterback. So I think (laughs) once you've got the owner on board, like, he's going to sign off on whatever, you know, three first round picks, whatever it takes. So, like, 
to win. I that think it's sweep- Carolina that's your biggest competition there. Yeah. But hopefully they're going for Trey Lance. They could be going for Trey Lance. And you don't think they'll have to move up to three to get Trey Lance, and probably they don't either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They would probably still have to move up into the top five, but they want to make sure they get him. I don't know what order it's going to go in. I won't be surprised if Trey Lance goes over Justin Fields. Justin Fields is getting picked apart right now. I think it's because he was good for so long. You got these new shiny toys in Zach Wilson, who is a one-year wonder boy. And then Trey Lance, we've only seen one year. It's just like the excitement of what can they be? What is their potential? Instead of what we've already seen out of Justin Fields, they're just nitpicking him at this point. So I saw you had a tweet about Wilson and Washington. You really think that that was like a match made in heaven? I do because Washington has such a good pass blocking line. And then they have Terry McLaurin. They they just brought in Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson. Like he would have nice pieces there and then play behind that line, which I was just talking about. He's used to at BYU. It just allowed him that time. His arm's so great. I think that'd be a dream landing spot. There's no way he, he, you know, goes into the twenties. Yeah. But if they can move all the way up now, the the Chiefs moved in from the 20s to the 10 to grab Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what they gave up, but they probably had to give up a lot. That would be kind of what you're looking at there with the move from the 49ers up to three or four. It wasn't as much as you would think, because I remember looking at that. I'm going to try and Google it really quick, really quick, because I remember thinking, oh, man, what are the 49ers going to have to give up? It's going to be crazy. But it wasn't like this crazy package. They traded the 27. Sorry, they traded the 27th overall pick, a third round pick and their 2018 first. So that was it. That really wasn't like a ton. Yeah. So maybe that's all you have to give up is a third and a first. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we'll see. Uh, Are you on board that if the 49ers do draft a rookie, they should dump Garoppolo, give the rookie the keys to the car from day one and just go? So my thing with Jimmy is I do think as much as we like to make fun of him, we are being a little too harsh because He's a winner. Oh, don't give me that. He's a winner. And you see all the stats just change from when he's the quarterback to when it goes to Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard or Brian Hoyer. They just score way less points per game. I mean, with Jimmy Garoppolo, you're scoring 28 points per game. With those other guys, you're scoring somewhere between 18 to 21 points per game. Uh, He's the only one out of that group that was over 500 and he was well over 500. I think he's 22 and eight as a starter. And then looking at guys from since 2017, the top five winning quarterbacks, minimum 30 games started. It goes Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and then Jimmy G. Those are the only five quarterbacks over a 70% win percentage. I do think we're being a little harsh. Here's the thing though. The fact that the 49ers have been so bad without Jimmy G doesn't make him better. It just makes the backups really bad. <laughs> like that's the difference. The the standard of quarterback is not are you better than Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard? It's are you a good quarterback? And I I think Jimmy is okay, but I think he's really propped up by Kyle Shanahan. I think he doesn't extend plays the way he did in 2017 when he initially came over because after the knee injury he's He doesn't seem willing to kind of run around as much back there. And if you're telling, if your argument is he's better than Mullins and Beathard, I agree. You win a thousand percent. But I think that they can improve with him. Don't be scared off by that. 
There's better out there. I promise. We just have to be willing to find it. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be any better year one than Jimmy G. Like, I don't, I don't think he would be an improvement. I, so if you don't get Justin Fields, obviously I think he would start right away. Zach Wilson. I even think Trey Lance with Kyle Shanahan would be a, a really nice picture right off the bat. Just immediately uses mobility. He can run anytime. Defenses are going to be worried about that. We saw success with Lamar Jackson. Like he doesn't have to be an accurate passer right away. Use his big arm. You're going to get these wide receivers wide open for him because they're going to be so worried about the run game. You know, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel can get open and then yards after the catch. So yeah, if you guys can get the Trey Lance, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, they should start immediately over Jimmy Garoppolo. If it's Mac Jones, I think at that point, it's going to be a full offseason of competition. I think it should be the rookie's job from day one. Like the the best thing you can have in the NFL is a quarterback on a rookie deal. So why waste a year of that, you know, window by having Jimmy Garoppolo play, especially because Jimmy might only play two games and get hurt anyway. So like, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to get 16 games in. I gave it to the rookie from jump and I would love to see like a a, a Trey Lance in this offense, because I think Kyle would blend what he did in 2019 to what he did with RG3 in Washington and just come up with this sort of crazy positionless offense where guys are in motion all the time and you're doing like jet sweeps and (laughs) I think it would be just like impossible for defensive coordinators to figure out. It would be. And I I think that would be a, a perfect match. And I think that's a good spot for Trey Lance to succeed. I do think there's some landing spots where if the offensive coordinator or the head coach is not going to get creative for him and not going to use the skill sets correctly and try to put him into like a a typical uh, passing quarterback uh, that just kind of stands in the pocket, that's never going to work for him. But if he gets with a creative uh, team, he can be fantastic. So yeah, I am coming along to the 49ers. And at that point, they just have to move up past the Panthers. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, That sort of battle there. There's going to be stuff that happens that we are not going to hear about, at least right away. But I am willing to bet you that behind the scenes in the draft rooms, like John Lynch is going to be swearing about the Panthers and the Panthers are going to be swearing about the 49ers because there's going to be maneuvering (laughs) there for sure. Um, Beyond the quarterbacks, though, there's a couple other guys, Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, that you think are interesting for the Niners. Yeah, and I'm actually not the biggest Rondell Moore fan because I think he has two massive outliers. But I do think he's actually a target for the 49ers in the second round. So I think it's important to talk about him. So he his height was 5'7 at his pro day. <laughs> he was five, he was listed at 5'9 at Purdue, 5'7, and it's 5'7 flat. There's no centimeters in there. 5'7 flat. Wow. We have not seen that succeed at the NFL level whatsoever. If you're looking at NFL history, no wide receiver at 5'7 or shorter even had more than 2,400 career receiving yards. Like, that's 2,400 career receiving yards. The most by a wide receiver in a season is 1,091 yards. That happened one time. Richard Johnson in 1989. So we just have not seen success, even if you go to 5'8". That's Cole Beasley. He's the only one over uh, 3,000 career receiving yards at 5'8 or shorter. So the, so do you totally rule him out or what does that do for you? Are you just saying like, hey, you're betting against history here? So I already was kind of low on him, even when I was thinking he was 5'9", because of how he performed, how he made his production at Purdue. It was 
mostly all his rookie year because he's been hurt the last two years, uh, freshman year, I should say. And it was all off of very, very short passes. His average up the target is scary low, like laughably low. So he had 178 receptions in college. Okay. 76 of those 108 receptions came from targets behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> well, that that's what the Niners do, though. They like that. Yes. So I do think it's a fine fit. But another 78 of those receptions on top of those 76 came from targets from the one to nine yard line. Wow. So pretty much all of his usage was not down the field whatsoever. Only 16 of his receptions came uh, from intermediate passes, 10 to 19 yard line. Only eight came from 20 yards pass. He was just, they wanted to get the ball in his hands because there's nobody talented at Purdue. Like he was by far the most (laughs) talented. He's super athletic. There's a reason he went there. It's like, oh, I can be the star here. But I want people to realize if you would have put any other of these wide receivers coming out in the draft right now in the first, second round into Purdue in their freshman year, they would have succeeded the same exact way. It's just they had no competition there. This worries me about Rondell Moore with most teams, except the 49ers, because Kyle Shanahan knows how to use him. He can be used as a running back and he can be used in those short passes. And he's great after the catch. That is a Kyle Shanahan type wide receiver. I think that's where he succeeds the best. Right. I mean, we've seen it with Debo Samuel, where a lot of Debo's catches, you know, he'll have more yards after the catch than receiving yards in the actual game because they're throwing everything to him behind the line of scrimmage. Um, Where do you do you think the 49ers can get more in like the second round, third round? I think for sure the second round. He'll be there for them in the second round. I think third's pushing it if they want him. They'll, they'll have to draft him in the second. second. Yeah. Did you see he squatted 600 pounds? I know. He's an athletic freak and super strong. It, he plays really strong, too. Like it, It's not easy to take him down. The issue is he plays so strong he gets hurt all the time. I all mean, time. how can you be 5'7 and squat 600 pounds? That's insane. <laughs> and so he had an insane vert, which people will point to, 42 and a half inches. And people are like, oh, my God, he's 5'7". He did that. It's like, do people realize it's not it doesn't matter about your height? Like, it's just how much you're coming off the ground. And when you're you're more impacted, right, smaller, uh, way less, I feel like it would be easier to get off the ground than (laughs) if you're six foot four, 230 pounds. Like, that's when it's more impressive to me when DK Metcalf did it because he's such a big dude. And for you to get that big body off the ground, 42 inches is insane. When you're so little and light, I mean, it's not as hard. It's still insanely talented, insanely athletic. It's just not the same to me. So do you like Elijah Moore more than Rondale Moore? Yes, uh, by far. Uh, Elijah Moore is one of my favorite prospects. His height does worry me. If he was two inches taller, like, oh, I would love him so much. But he's 5'9". He actually came in at 5'9 and 4 centimeters. So he he didn't lose two inches uh, from his college uh, height. But with Elijah Moore, you actually saw him be used as a real wide receiver. He was used short. He was used intermediate. He was used deep. Uh, he plays extremely tough. Uh, like he gets knocked. The, the de- defenders will try to knock him out because he's so small and he does not drop the ball. Sticky his hands in the class by far. He even against Alabama did not wear gloves to prove like nice. how good his hands are because I swear he put glue on those gloves. But no, he went out bare hands made some ridiculous catches in that game. I think he's uber talented. We saw he's just as fast as Rondo Moore is. Uh, he came out of high school as an All-American prospect. 
he was the old Miss offense this past year, and he doesn't have that same crazy breakout age in his freshman year. But he had DK Metcalf and AJ Brown as competition, a little bit different of a situation. I actually call Elijah Moore a miniature AJ Brown. Like if you made AJ Brown into a miniature version, it's <laughs> it's Elijah Moore. That's like almost more exciting because AJ Brown's just like a huge dude. But like so to compact that into a smaller package, that's kind of interesting. I think he's going to be great and I, another great fit for Kyle Shanahan if you wanted him. But at the same time, I could see him getting more creative with Rondell Moore. I don't really know if you needed Elijah Moore. You already have Ayuk and Debo. Rondo would be kind of that just like wild card where defenses would have to worry about him in different ways. I almost think that's a better pick for your team. You had an awesome tweet this week that I saw, and it was a collage of tweets of pretty much everyone saying that wide receiver X coming out is going to be the next Tyreek Hill. Oh, every every short, fast wide receiver is the next Tyreek Hill. That is, like, we get lazy with this draft stuff sometimes. And I feel like, oh, you want people to click on your thing? Just compare them to Tyreek Hill. Like, nobody ever gets compared to, like, Derek Mason. Or, you know, like, just a regular, like, good possession receiver. Or just, like, a James White, like, a solid receiver. It's always compared to, like, Hall of Famers and Pro Bowlers. Yeah, why aren't we comparing them to Tavon Austin, who is that short, uh, really fast guy, but did not succeed, like... Rondell Moore or even Elijah Moore could just as easily be a Tavon Austin as they could a Tyreek Hill. But we always go for that, you know, elite status. Tyreek Hill is one of a kind. He was a massive outlier coming out. He wasn't supposed to be what he was. He was a running back in college. It's wild what happened with him. And he got with Andy Reid. Say he gets drafted to the Jaguars. Is he Tyreek Hill? Probably not. The Jags, where careers go to die. Uh, I want to give you a little credit. You also tweeted out that you yourself compared Hollywood Brown to Tyreek Hill 2.0. I did. So congratulations there. But then I look at the other (laughs) part of your tweet, and you crushed it. Terry McLaurin, you said, showing true wide receiver one potential on a bad offense. Home run, absolutely correct. You said DK Metcalf can beat any defender at the point of the catch. Absolutely correct. A.J. Brown is impossible to tackle. Nailed it. And McCole Hardman moves like butter. I don't Uh, really know what that means exactly, but I'm going to give you credit for it also. I was just trying to be nice to McCole Hardman because he wasn't doing much. But he does move (laughs) like butter, but he doesn't do anything else, really. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. Like When they drafted him, remember, it was, oh, it's going to be just like Tyree Kill. Turns out, no. Just because you're fast and short doesn't mean you're just like Tyree Kill. Oh, yeah. And we had some Carlos Hendersons in there, some Andy Isabellas. Uh, Yeah, we have everyone. Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs. Did you put together that collage yourself? I did. And at the time, I was like, wow, this is a huge waste of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But the tweet ended up doing well. So I was like, all right, it was worth it. We got Matt Miller comparing John Ross to Tyreek Hill. And I mean, yeah, we got to stop doing that. But shout out to you. Great job on the tweet and and your draft comparisons. I mean, your draft analysis there on those receivers was dead on. So what you say, I'm going to listen to. Well, thank you. I've, uh, I'm have i also a massive Zach Moss fan, so you don't want to listen to me all the time. I was wrong about him. <laughs> we There are certain guys that for some reason, like we just like, we just glom onto and we fall in love with. And regardless of what happens, like we, there's still that part of us that's like, I still think he can do it. 
Oh yeah, he's still going to break out next year. I I know it, and I know it in my soul. Oh God! All right, let's take a break. We still want to get to some stuff about Kerry Hyder, uh, the Niners' injuries, and look ahead to the 2021 schedule as well. So we'll do all that after we come back. Welcome back to the Niners Nation podcast. Okay, Michelle, there was an article that came out from Pro Football Outsider, from Football Outsiders, I should say, that pointed out that the 49ers had an injured year in 2020, which we all knew. But I didn't know how injured. And according to Football Outsiders, they were the most injured team in the last or second most injured team in the last 20 years of football. That's how bad it was last year for the Niners. Yeah, it felt like anytime someone put a foot on that field, they got injured. Now, do you think there's a reason behind that? Are you worried about your strength and conditioning staff? Well, I mean, they changed the strength and conditioning staff because they were injured a lot in 2019, too. People just don't remember it. Jimmy Garoppolo stayed healthy that year, which makes a huge difference. But at one point, I mean, he was operating with without his starting one, number one wide receiver, without both starting tackles at the same time. They had uh, Daniel Brunskill in there, who was just out of the AAF. Like, they were injured in 2019 also. I don't think it has to do with the medical staff. I think it has to do with the fact that John Lynch repeatedly, and Kyle Shanahan, really Kyle, because he's the boss of John Lynch, they keep relying on people with injury histories. Almost every good player on the team, George Kittle, always hurt. Raheem Mostert, like you said earlier, always hurt. Nick Bosa, always hurt. Everywhere you look, Debo, Ayuk, injury, injury, Jimmy Ward, Jaquiski Tart, like all these guys are consistently hurt. And so then what happened last year is guys that normally get hurt, all got hurt and they all got hurt basically at the same time. Yeah. And when you look at, so I do think they were these stars away from being probably a playoff team. Again, you missed out on Nick Bosa on D Ford. And then the biggest one, obviously your quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle, like those are massive injuries. And at one point, like your wide receivers were Kendrick Bourne out there and Jordan Reed was like your top two options. You're going to struggle, but in 2020, they only had a minus 14 point differential. And when you're looking at teams that had, 10 plus losses, that's the best one. Like the 49ers were at the top there. So it's not like they were getting their butts kicked. It was just like they were losing because they had so many injuries. And you saw the stats just change. I mean, the 11, they had a negative 11 turnover differential in 2020, but a plus four turnover differential in 2019. They had 30 defensive sacks in 2020. 48 defensive sacks in 2019 like you have to assume those are based on the injuries you had your best uh, sack leaders out of the game with Nick Bosa and D Ford um, and then you're just relying on backups to get it and they really they really weren't except for the one guy that left your team this year to go to your (laughs) rival the Seahawks and Kerry Hyder he was the only player on your team with over four sacks and that's wild. Yeah, he actually had a great year last year. Like, he was just sort of a guy they bought low on, came in, high-motor guy. You know, he's he's not supposed to be the leader of your pass rush. He was supposed to be the leader of the backup. I think, like, the Bravo line, they call it, whatever weird name they have for it. And then he ended up being the, the main guy they relied on, and he was great. Um, but the loss shouldn't affect them because they shouldn't be depending on Kerry Hyder next year. Bosa should be back. 
Armstead should be back, hopefully playing closer to the interior of the defensive line where he really stood out in 2019. They got Samson Abukum to rush off the edge. He's the speed rusher that they got to sort of replace D Ford. I know that some people think D Ford is going to be back. I don't know about that. Back injuries don't tend to heal up. But you would think that they would resemble in 2021 more the team that they had in 2019. And so the carry carry hider loss, like, well, you always hate to see good players leave, especially to Seattle. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully it's not that big of an impact. Yeah. And I just think Nick Bosa coming back changes that entire defense instantly and him being out people, you know, off our defenses, sorry, offenses have to focus on guarding Nick Bosa with him gone, then it's like, oh, everyone has a harder time getting to that quarterback. So him there instantly just helps everyone, especially like an Eric Armstead. Like you said, he went from 10 sacks in 2019 all the way down to three and a half. I do think the with Nick Bosa back, that that probably changes back to maybe not 10 sacks again, but upwards of six, eight sacks. Yeah, the, the big thing with me is how fast does Bosa ramp it up and get back to what he looked like as a rookie because I mean he's coming off a torn ACL and we've seen Adrian Peterson come off a torn ACL and almost set the rushing record so like you guys can hit the ground running but also sometimes it takes guys a year to really get back to themselves now the one thing that the Niners have going for them is that Bosa tore his ACL early in the season it wasn't like he tore it in December or January so he's sort of you know He'll be a year removed from this thing early in the year. So hopefully by the time we get late in the season, crunch time playoffs, he's feeling much better than he does earlier in the year. Yeah, he should be ready to go unless there's some wild setback. I think he'll be ready to go week one. He's so young. He's going to bounce back just fine. Like I, I feel like he's that type of athlete as well. That's just getting his body ready to play. I don't think they'll hold him back even in the start of the season, huh. but that's just me guessing, I guess. <laughs> well, I like, I like all the workout videos I see. Of course they never, they never post the video where like he can't run because his knee is hurting that day. They yeah. only post <laughs> the good ones, but you know, I'm encouraged. I, I'm, I want to try and stay positive and at least hope right now that he'll come back to to what we saw. Because like you said, when he's right, he's one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, looking ahead to the 2021 schedule, you had some thoughts. Yeah, I don't think it's the easiest schedule. And I, I think the main part of it, right, is that your division's hard. You, you got those six division games and Arizona's probably the weakest one in there. Well, we'll see what happens with Seattle. If Russell Wilson's gone, obviously that he changes. Will be. But Cardinals are still going to be a hard two games, and you can't just put down wins for them. And then you have to face the Colts in Tennessee and Green Bay Packers. Those are a, a few really hard games out of the division. So I, I see a handful of games there that are must-wins. It's the Vikings, the Texans, the Falcons, the Lions, and Jaguars. And probably Eagles. Like, I think you have to win those six games, at least five of the six games, and then you'll be in a a good little spot. See, yeah, you're right about the division. If they can just go 500 in the division, I would consider that a win. Because, like you said, I mean, the Seahawks usually beat them. Let's just be honest. As long as Russell's there, the Seahawks usually beat them. They usually beat the Rams, but I think the Rams are going to be much improved. And the Cardinals give them trouble. The Cardinals beat them last year, game one, when everybody was still healthy, except for Debo. So, yeah, if you can go 500 in the division, that's a good start. Yeah, and the 49ers lost five games last year by uh, one score. That's the seventh most in the league or tied for the seventh most in the league. But also the Cardinals were tied with them at five. So it's like 
normally you see those sh- that shift from year to year. It's like if you're losing these closer games, you normally end up winning them the next year. Like it, it can change. And especially with the injuries the 49ers saw, like you would, if they're healthy, you would think they start winning those games. It's just also the Cardinals might start winning those games as well, which is just worrisome. But for the 49ers, I think a lot of those games ended up one score games, but they really like they were getting their doors blown off and scored in garbage time. Nick Mullins yeah. is the king of garbage time. Like there's one game against the Cowboys where Kendrick Bourne literally caught a Hail Mary with no time left on the clock that made that deficit look better than it actually was. I mean, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard turned the ball over combined basically as much as Jameis Winston did. And that's why the 49ers offense couldn't do anything. And that's why they missed the playoff. If those guys had been just average, just not miserable trash bags, they would have made the playoffs. (laughs) So why why does everyone think that Nick Mullins could be a good quarterback somewhere then? I don't see it. Because that one game that like I feel like that one game he came out and we all were expecting the Raiders. I think it was against the Raiders. Uh, just to destroy them. And he came out and he had a, a solid game. Like it wasn't anything insane. He just had a way better game than we imagined him to have. And I think that just set our mindset to like, oh, he's a he's a good quarterback. A hundred percent. Like we remember first impressions and he had a good first impression. Remember that was the game that Kittle made that ridiculous one-handed catch and then ran it like 80 yards down <laughs> the field and almost scored. Like Mullins puts up garbage time stats. So his numbers look good. Like if you look, He's, he has this ridiculous statistic where it's like in his first 12 starts, he's got like the third most passing yards in NFL history. But yeah. it, like, it's all meaningless crap. Like it, doesn't it destroys, matter. it destroys my job because I'm a researcher <laughs> and I have to come up with these stats, but like we make like these boards or like these graphics with those type of stats. And then when Nick Mullins is in it, he completely destroys it. I'm like, come yeah. on, dude, you're ruining my stat. Right. One of these things is not like the others. Yeah. No, I, I don't get the Nick Mullins love. I don't think he should get another shot as a starter elsewhere. I don't think he will. He, I mean, he's coming off an arm injury. He already had a very weak arm to begin with, and the 49ers didn't want him. They know him better than anybody. I am happy that the 49ers quarterback room will not have Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard. Beathard signed with the Jags. Mullins is just his career is over with the Niners. I like that they're going that direction so that even if they stick with Jimmy and he gets hurt, hopefully they have some sort of competence behind him because those two guys were just not it. I think Blake Bortles should be a backup somewhere. And if some, if a quarterback goes down, I wouldn't mind him getting another shot. I might be the only person still on this Blake Bortles train, but he did almost beat the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. He had a solid year like he has a solid arm he just makes stupid decisions <laughs> kind of like a Josh Allen type where he just makes stupid decisions but we saw Josh Allen improve in that area maybe they should have gave Blake Bortles another another chance somewhere else wow you are on you and Barstow Big Cat I think are the only Blake Bortles <laughs> supporters left in the world I was not planning on talking about Blake Bortles today I don't know why he just popped <laughs> in my head but I don't think it would be a bad backup to depend on if your quarterback goes down I mean, they're right now they're looking at Josh Johnson and Josh Rosen. How much confidence does that inspire you with? Yeah, I would much rather uh, play Blake Bortles than Josh Rosen or Josh Johnson. Well, that's why Kyle Posey and Akash Anavarathan on Wednesday kind of pointed out, like with the moves the 49ers have made as we sort of come full circle here, they sort of set themselves up to take a quarterback in the first round because they don't have that many other pressing needs on the roster anymore. I think the 49ers are in the perfect spot to give up some draft picks to move up. 
I think you couldn't look at a better year for this. They filled all their holes they needed in free agency. There's not, there's a lot of players coming back or there's a lot of players that they didn't have last year that they can depend on this year. If hopefully they stay healthy, they've been drafting pretty well. This is the year to move up and get your guy. I'm telling you, you got to do it for Justin Fields. I'm going to be saying this all month long until it happens. It's going to happen. I'm going to put it in the universe. They have to like, they have to. You cannot hope is not a strategy. You can't just go into the season saying, oh, I hope Jimmy stays healthy for 16 games, even though he never <laughs> does. Like that can't be your plan. right? How, how can you look at the other dudes in the locker room that are playing through injury, that are breaking their balls to be in there for this team and say, well, we hope Jimmy can do it, especially with their leaky offensive line. Yeah, I think you got to get a guy back there that's just – Super, super mobile, uh, super tough, super strong. I mean, you saw Justin Fields in the playoffs last year oh. get destroyed. His hip was destroyed, and he held out, played that whole game, played fantastic against Clemson, like totally outplayed Trevor Lawrence with that injury. Uh, he's just that tough dude, but he also hopefully he won't get hit as much as Jimmy, and he'll be smarter when he does run. We'll see that. I think Trey Lance would be better as well just because he's going to evade those tacklers. He plays like Lamar Jackson where he doesn't get hit a lot, so he's not he's not as likely to get hurt. It is weird that there are some guys that never really seem to get drilled. And I don't know like if it's just luck or if there's a skill to it, but like even Russell Wilson, he never really gets crushed. I've seen him take a couple of big hits, but not like destroyed. Like Jimmy Garoppolo gets hammered. Eli Manning got hammered sometimes. Some dudes just get trucked. Those guys never do. I do say, I will say when Russell Wilson does get hammered, like there's sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, I think he's going to be hurt. And then he just gets up. I'm like, how, how are you this? (laughs) Like he's unbreakable. He's, have you ever seen him in person? No, I have not. I've seen him in person. He's thick. Like he is built like a small tank. Yeah. Compared to Kyler Murray, who I've seen in person. Kyler Murray is, is a tiny human like he's just not a big guy i i like actually worry about him on the field whereas russell wilson like russell's thick he can handle it kyler is is very thin yeah and justin fields is very thick and very strong i'm telling you this is going to be your next quarterback you got to figure it out figure it out yeah it that that's the thing every day the 49ers come into work like what are we doing for quarterback they'd run through all these scenarios in the draft and like my nightmare scenario i saw a mock the other day i can't remember who it was but the nightmare scenario was like the first four or five picks were all quarterbacks and i was like oh no that can't happen (laughs) it very likely could for the first four well i don't so that would be meaning miami trades back like i don't i think they stick it out with tua and they probably should uh, so I think they trade out of that spot, but it still could mean the first four are all quarterbacks. Well, and here's the thing. Whoever, you don't move up to Miami spot to not pick a quarterback because you're going to have yeah, to give exactly. up so much. Like if you're moving up, you're going to get a quarterback. Yeah, 100%. And I think Miami's in the right spot to do that because they're probably looking at a wide receiver. Why not move back a few spots and just take, there's three great wide receivers out there. There more than that, but three that you can like kind of trust uh, to be your wide receiver one going into next year. Move back. Last, take all that. Yeah. The last thing I would, since we were talking about uh, weight of players and you mentioned wide receivers, Devonte Smith, I think he weighed in at like 170 pounds. 
if he got picked, he would be the second lightest quarterback, I think, in the last like 10 years to get drafted in the first round. Hollywood Brown would be the other one. Are you worried about his weight? So I'm a really big Devonta Smith fan. I am worried about his weight, though. And what worries me a little bit more is that he didn't actually weigh in at his pro day. He wouldn't weigh in, and he just said he's 170. It's like, <laughs> mm, like you know you're lying at that point, right? Like, why would you say the exact weight? You know teams are looking at your weight. Like, why wouldn't you go up a little bit, 175, 180? Like, if you're not going to get on the scale, what does it matter? And if you are 170, why not just get on that scale and say right. Like you're already saying it, get on. So that's what worries me because if he's in the 160s, oh no. But I will say he's already been an outlier. Like he's already proved he's an outlier. There's no one at his weight in the SEC that did what he did. I mean, he had insane numbers, over 1,800 receiving yards, 23 receiving touchdowns. No one came close to what he did already at any weight, let alone doing what he did in the SEC so he already proved to be an outlier. I think he has a skill set where players aren't going to be able to jam him. He's just too smart. He's too quick. Uh, he just knows how to play the game, and his hands are fantastic. Raw running's great. I really like Devonta Smith. I think he can be a wide receiver one at the next level. But yes, the weight does scare me. I mean, you don't win a church raffle to get the Heisman Trophy, especially at wide receiver. Like, he did that for a reason. He's really good. All right. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Niners Nation podcast. We need a show name. I need to be able to say this edition of something. We got to work on that. I want the listeners to name it. I think they should put in uh, reviews on iTunes and write uh, write some titles and we'll pick the best one. And we'll send you something. I don't know what. I'll have to figure that out. But if we pick your name for the show, we will send you something. Do you have like glossy eight by twelves you could autograph and send to people i don't think anyone would care about my autograph <laughs> i think we should come up with something a little bit cooler than that uh but yeah we can figure out a fun little fun little giveaway so leave them in the reviews uh, also if you have questions you can hit us up on twitter michelle is all over these draft prospects she's at ball blast them on twitter i'm stats on fire on twitter i am not all over these draft prospects but if you want to ask me other stuff I'm here for that. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.